Thanks for tuning in to the Replatform podcast sponsored by Amplius and Clavio. Uh, you're listening to just myself today. My co-host Paul Rogers is often about doing fun things somewhere else. Um, hello to regular listeners. Appreciate you listening again and a warm welcome if it's your first time. Do subscribe. You get an email alert every week for new episodes. And we'd love you to give us a like on YouTube, Spotify or Apple. So our topic today, it's going to be another interesting one, is Shopware e-commerce platform update and roadmap review. So one of the key things we want to do in this podcast is keep an eye on the e-commerce platform landscape. It's busy. Every year, platforms update roadmaps, prove feature sets. They sometimes pivot strategically. It's hard for people to keep an eye on what's going on. So today, we're sitting back down with the Shopware team. You know, listen to their perspective on where they're going, what their go-to-market strategy is, help you get a better understanding of where they'll be and what the relevance will be to e-commerce teams in 2023. So we're going to cover market strategy evolution and why key product capabilities and how they're reacting to competitor evolution and roadmap focus of 2023. So with that in mind, let me introduce our wonderful guest today. So we have uh, Justin, who is the UK GM, has been since 2019, who's very well known in the industry. Justin, I was going to say you get around, but that sounds pretty bad. So (laughs) rephrase that. Um, Interest, in fact, has been a captain in the army. Um, and has also done head of e-commerce roles on top of all uh, the the agency and the, and the vendor piece. Um, so, welcome, Justin. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Good to uh, good to talk to you, uh, James. It's uh, always always a pleasure. <laughs> How much did I pay you to say that? <laughs> I didn't um, see any of that money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't worry. It's better. If you flatter me even better, Ben, then you get a, a bigger chunk of it. Don't worry. The, the <laughs> chunk do of money doesn't exist. Duly noted, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so uh, Ben, thanks very much for joining us. So Ben, you're director of global market development, have been since 2021, but you've got you've got an interesting background in the industry as well. So you're a developer and a tech director by trade, and you're a Magento evangelist and trainer, I believe, for seven years. Yeah, I was there for, uh, I mean, really, if we throw in training, I was part of that world for even a few years before I joined uh, eBay, Magento, Adobe. Um, so I've, I've been, had the, the, I consider myself one of the luckiest people in e-commerce, uh, having the chance to meet so many different professionals in so many different capacities all over the world. And everyone is always just working, you know, really working on their corner of the industry, helping to push it forward and make this space, you know, an even better value and service for um, all of the merchants and their customers. Yeah, wonderful. And it's it's we were talking about this before we start recording about the the journey that loads of people from the open source community have had out into different technology platforms now from the original Magento days, which is interesting. Yeah, for sure. I think it was the incubator for so many different businesses, different bits of technology, different agencies. Really has, as you say, wherever we we go, we sort of bump into them. Yeah, yeah. fertile yeah. grounds. Yeah, um, look, really grateful you're taking the time. I think we got. Yeah, you know, for everyone listening, we've got two really, really switched on, well-connected people who can give you different perspectives today on Shopware and where it sits. But before we do, some people on this podcast, Justin, won't really know Shopware. I think that's fair to say. Others will know it well and others even better. Can you just give the like the 60-second elevator pitch? What What is Shopware? Where does it fit in the market? Sure. Um, Shopware is a German open source e-commerce platform, and it's focused mainly on the mid-market. And it's really about giving merchants and agencies the abilities and the facilities to go out and great and create uh, great customer experiences. I think. Um, I, th- I think if I was going to sum it up, and Ben, I'm sure you probably got a more succinct way of doing it. I would say it's kind of like open source for the cloud generations, where we're trying to get to. I think it's around delivering flexibility 
without unnecessary amounts of complexity and hassle. Um, it's about open commerce, as we call it, cloud-first open source e-commerce. Yeah, I mean, we uh, that's, that's that's well said, Justin. I think we, you know, we we are there for the merchants who, you know, the aspirational merchants, um, the ones with with a real strong sense of what they want, the the kind of experiences that they want their customers and even their internal ops folks to have. And we're giving them uh, we we build shopware so that they would have everything that they need to go out and really. Uh, compete at a level, you know, punch, punch really far above the weight of their, you know, whatever competitors they might have in their band, and even even compete up there with the big dogs that are able to make the you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of investment in some of the other uh, some of the platforms that serve the the upper mid market and enterprise. We really really see ourselves fitting well in that in that space in between, and and whatever you know, whatever sense of innovation and drive that uh, merchant or brand brings. Uh, brings to the table the shopware we're we're there to support it fully um, and and see it see it to fruition i think there's a couple of other things just quickly to add one it's available not just open source i.e self-provisioned or on-premise people used to call it as much as we hate that but also available as a SaaS uh, instance or as a pass a platform as a service instance as well yeah. um which is which is really unusual out there in the market at the moment Certainly in the yeah, mid-market. Yeah. Well, that leads on to my next question. I, I just then had to lean over to let the door because my dog managed to get himself in. He was obviously interested in what you were saying, gents. About <laughs> and you heard my what, doorbell go yeah. as well, didn't you? Well, <laughs> well, once you get once you get the hounds, you know, interested, then it's yeah. really then it's just the rest of the world. Yeah. Well, you've you've nailed the cocker spaniel breed. I, I put it. That's for your tone of voice. Um, so, Ben, a question for you. It's and I find this when when when. Um, shopware gets mentioned or talked about in clients when they're, they're evaluating platforms or thinking about moving, they compare it to Magento open source because that's where they, historically where people have thought it's an open source platform, it's a flexible one. I don't think they're thinking it so much as a SaaS and I know that that's where the evolution is going. Do you think the comparison with Magento is fair because of the roots or is it is, is it product strategy-wide diversified so much now that it's probably not the right comparison? Yeah, I think I think it, it it makes total sense to look at uh, if you if you have any if you have any um, history in this space, you know the homage to uh, what Magento accomplished, which was lightning in the bottle moment, uh, some real some genius thought and execution back in the early two thousands. Uh, there has been a, a healthy bit of inspiration. Now, now Shopware's been around for twenty two years in 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 successive uh, or at a progression of of versions and approaches. Um, and, and then, you know, circa 2010, I think the, the founders who are still very much involved and still very much in control of the company are, um, you know, they really, they really took a, a important lessons from what was happening with Magento and really pulled in and started to lean on the open source philosophy, the open source, the power of the open source ecosystem. Now, I mean, what I, what I like to do these days is I like, I like for especially merchants to come into conversations, not, uh, not talking about. Uh, architectural, uh, or architectural facets. Whether you know, it's like that. Whether they're talking about mock or headless or PWA or open source, these are all just a means to an end. But but really, the the sort of the pinnacle, like the the, the most salient thing, is the is the 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 merchant's requirements and the resources that they're willing to put behind that uh, to realize those requirements. And so each of these different 
uh, each of these different architectural approaches or <laughs> ethoses, um, all they all have their strengths and weaknesses. Um, and and you know we're here kind of carrying the torch forward. So a lot of lessons have been learned over the years. Uh, and where I see, uh, I, I think it, you could consider it a succession from what Magento was. Uh, it, that That's certainly not unjustified. But what we're seeing today on the ground, I mean, literally today, I was in a meeting of 25 people involved in the U.S. market and considering that it was just me until August of this year. Um, we're seeing an incredible amount of growth and interest in this topic and so something some something is is happening there's a there's a shift there's a wave people are starting to accrete around this now a lot of those people have been playing have been working in multiple platform ecosystems uh but what we're seeing is the attention coming in here and and i think it's best to recognize our roots but really keep our eyes like set dead ahead and looking forward to where, you know, what we're planning and what we're delivering. So, yeah, with that in mind, Justin, I know we're, we were talking a, a week or so ago about your your strategy and focus for shopware and where, you know, you'll go to market these. And it is has changed since we last spoke. So my understanding is you're now focused in Europe and US rather than UK. Can you talk people through what, well, what I, shopware's... No, where, sorry, yeah. Where are you focused and why? Um, well, you're right and you're not right in some ways. It's not quite as simple yeah, as that. It's always the same. I'm a consultant. <laughs> Mostly right. Um, as you may know, we took rather a, a relatively large investment last year from Carlisle and PayPal. Uh, sorry, earlier this year, in fact. Um, and this this investment has meant that our strategy has, has changed. We're still very much um, English first, but the commercial focus in the English first area is definitely on the U.S., there are some real positives for the UK in that the the effect on the ecosystem for the UK has been marked, and you know therefore we're in a much much better position because of the uh, the sort of ecosystem partners that we're bringing on in the you know that are interested just as interested in the US. It's having a real marked effect in the UK. Yeah, yeah, we're we're you know so we're looking at uh, we've. Approaching, I think, 20, 20 partnerships, uh, some between 20, 10 and 20 partnerships um, you know, just this year with businesses, you know, businesses interested in the U.S. A lot of these are global businesses. We have, uh, we're pretty much committed to, you know, another 60 or so. Uh, and this is just tech partners, not not agency partners, moving forward into, uh, into the next uh, in, in, into 2023. So, you know, that, that, the, the, what happens in the U S um, tends to heavily influence, uh, several other markets in the world. I would say chief among those is the UK. So it has been, we've, we've, we've enjoyed, uh, Justin, I think you can, you can attest this. We have enjoyed, um, we've, we've really benefited from some, some fantastic partnerships in the UK, uh, as shopware has, 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 has been on its on its growth path. Uh, this past year has certainly been turbocharged, and those partners have been have been um, understanding and accommodating, and you know just like normal, focused on the work at hand. What I think we're seeing coming into 2023 is just the same uh, the, the the energy from the wave happening here in the U.S. market directly carrying over into uh, UK and European markets. And you know based on the communications I've had in the last couple of weeks. 
we're even we're even starting to get that interest in Australia. We're starting to get that interest in in uh, Central South America. Uh, I've got a I've got a, a partner in in uh, Indonesia that's already spun up a couple of shopware sites, and they're you know they're handling that market all on their own. So we have we have growth strategy in place for all of them, but it's just it's just honestly really cool to see it all happening organically. And one one thing I'd like to be really useful for clar- clarification because I know we talked about this, Justin is. Is I think some sometimes people un, uh, have underestimated the ecosystem around the technology vendors that you have integrations with because it's either not you haven't shouted from the rooftops like some of the other platforms do. And I was quite I was quite surprised actually when we talked recently. I was looking at things like PIMS and how you have some proven case studies with leading PIMS, whether it might be a Perfian or a Pimbly, whatever it might be. Could you just talk to people about what are some of the key technology capability areas that that you've had partnership growth in. So PIM was one good example, but people want to hear like, is it, have you focused on, you know, content management? I know you've got a strong native content manager, or is it payments or like, what are the areas that you've really doubled down on in 2022? Um, I think, I mean, well, first of all, you're right, is that actually when the, one of the most important things, you know, when it comes down to building a comp- compelling proposition for merchants and for agencies, because these are the guys that have to go and build this stuff, ecosystem is is so important and that's one of the great things that the the us uh the progress that we're having in the us is 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 bringing back to the uk if you like i think probably the area uh that where we've had some of the most fundamental success over the last year and certainly we're pushing forward into the next year is in the area of of uh, marketing automation and triggered marketing and i think actually that 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 delves to the heart of actually merchants and how they deliver results using this platform. So it's absolutely critical. So the likes, um, we've really honed the proposition um, from partners like uh, Dot Digital and from Clavio, and they're really beginning to bear fruit. Um, not least, they're helping to drive awareness for the platform in itself as well. But actually, they're beginning to deliver real results for our merchants which is, after all, what we're here to do. I think that's that's, Yeah, things like the Clavios, because they uh, historically associated with Shopify world, but people now realise that it's not just a Shopify. (laughs) No, uh, and you know what? (laughs) We're not proud. If we see a platform that's that's being implemented extremely well across one uh platform ecosystem then you know what we want to we want to get that in our platform ecosystem and what people like clavio and dot digital have done so well is they've taken actually a very complicated area um uh of marketing and engagement and they've created fantastic workflows simplified it so that the the merchant on the street can use it effectively to deliver results and we yeah it's fantastic. true yeah, tremendous utility and, you know, tremendous utility, tremendous power. It's not easy to pull off. I mean, and that's, that's, for me, that's always been the irony inherent in, in, uh, you know, in these tools. And that's, that's why tech partnerships are so important for, I mean, for us and for any platform, because we can't be good at it all. Right. And, you know, but, but you look at what these things do and you look at the, the amount of data that's involved and the insights that you get and how simple those interfaces are. And it's really, it's really easy to to mistake and think, oh, well, this must be easy to accomplish. It's not at all. And there, there have been, you know, every one of these businesses I've, I've met, I've met fantastic leaders, just visionaries on the strategy side, you know, excellent product, uh, product management, 
and they pull together. Uh, they, they, you know, when you when you start to aggregate uh, these and collect these different technologies, these different these these solutions, and you put them adjacent to your e-commerce hub, your solution like Shopware. Uh, the the end effect is 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 way more productivity, way more insight, and just a higher level of execution that that has, you know, it only goes up in the e-commerce industry. So so what you can do today with a few of these systems linked together is so much more than what was possible even even a year or two ago, and and that is I I think that's something that that we. If you're inside the business every day, it's really easy to even gloss over that and just sort of look at what's next, what's next. But I think again, it's really important to appreciate where we've come from and what these, what each of our partners contribute to the space. Um, and related to that, so the Shopware talks now about simplicity and flexibility, and and I, I've seen that quadrant you put together about platforms where they sit on those axes. Uh, I guess ben, flexibility, I simplicity, yeah. trade-off. You mean? Yeah, exactly. What I'd, what I'd like to know is I'd like to go beyond the 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 high level of a quadrant and get some practicality of what you really mean by it. Because I know you said that you see like Shopware 6 being more flexible than, than some of the SaaS leaders like Shopify and BigCommerce. Yeah. But lots, they will talk about flexibility and people will think plugging in an app is flexibility. Can you explain yeah. what, what in your language, what flexible means? Like what's the evidence behind it? Like what, what does Shopware enable that a, a, a less flexible platform can't? Well, I mean, you know, one of the things, uh, one of the things, just starting at you know the lowest technical level, uh, Shopware Six was a complete rewrite, uh, complete and total ground up rewrite uh, that relied on a lot of the lessons that uh, that we you know, we learned ourselves and that we learned from other platforms. Uh, and it came out a couple of years after, like Magento Two came out, so there was plenty of learning there. And you know, and I was I was involved in the Magento Two rollout, and you know, and there were there were some. Uh, there were some big misses there that you know I'd, I'd have to claim a little bit of culpability for since I was involved in that developer beta. But you know what? You know, really, you have so many things coming in. You've got all the technology pushing in, and what technologists are used to coming in from the outside, right? So that's 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 cloud deployments. That's that's the tooling. That's all this. So we were able to build Shopware Six with all of that in mind. Now that sets a a basic programmatic uh, standard, you know. And again, we're built as a turnkey solution that is also one hundred percent customizable. So, so with that with that approach, then you look at you do have to look at the flexibility claims. I think you know, flexibility is in our DNA. I mean, we're literally built from the, built from scratch to do that. Then you look at what the Shopify's and big commerces uh, of the world talk about with flexibility, and there are degrees of flexibility, and there is always the trade-off there because you know while it is flexible to be able to plug in a system and even do it just in a nice little GUI interface, uh, like hey, I'm going to tie this in. Cool, I have a new capability. Didn't even have to call a developer. It's it's there. But when you start doing that more and more, you've got two things that you have to think about. All these systems are designed really in a silo, and they're there. So you're you're kind of tying them together in this hub, and uh, you may have some overlap of functionality. You may have some inconsistencies, and in just sort of the mental map of how they function. You also have the uh, this 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 death by a thousand cuts of 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 everyone's taking a, a little a little piece of revenue with with each integration and again there's there's no there's no right or wrong level for any of this it really comes down to the customer requirements so you might have one merchant on shopify with 20 plugins and their setup is great for them it's perfect for their margins 
and it's ideal. You've got another Shopify merchant with, with five integrations, and they're having a really hard time, and maybe they can't support the margins that that are that are being taken from that. Um, you know, the, I mean, the thing. So the thing with Shopify is they have they have defined the box. They have an outsized presence in this market, and they have done they've done so many really interesting and amazing things in the e-commerce space, and certainly have contributed substantially to what what people can do, what can be done. You know, especially with a, a team of one or a couple. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm in no way dismissing it, but 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 at the end of the day, you know, their business is that box. And they talk about the periphery of the box, and that's where the integrations come in. But that's like 10% maybe of the U.S. market. So just speaking about the U.S. So where do the other platforms come in? Well, we're there for, for essentially what's outside of that box. I mean, if I'm talking with a merchant, and, and I think if anyone at, at Shopware is talking with a merchant, and we see them a, as a perfect fit for Shopify, going to recommend that you Shopify all day long. But... It's just really, really, it's relatively rare that that, that that is the case, right? Because the majority of merchants don't really fit in that box. And that's when you have to start looking at uh, one of my favorite competitors, which is big commerce. So I think they have a really healthy, they have a really smart strategy of still taking that black box SaaS approach, but they really index even more on the flexibility. And I think they also do a really good job with the partner enablement and, and helping partners understand how to work with that flexibility. But at the end of the day, you still got the box. Now, Shopware, of course, as, a, as an application, has its own ideas. We have our opinions. But as I mentioned, the basis of everything is the customization. So everything that's built, a lot of our features that actually exist out of the box in Shopware are actually built with the customization or via the customization mechanisms that are inherent in our framework. And that ends up having a much different impact when you start to really get into uh, custom customer journeys and the kinds of experiences that you want to have be unique. And, and, I, and I can't help but, it's a, it's a little bit of a simplification, but I can't help but say like, hey, if I'm selling you know, some kind of some fashion or jewelry or something, and I'm on, let's say Shopify, and I've got a competitor, they're on Shopify. I mean, we are starting from, you know, we're starting from within the same box and being able to stand out and make a difference and uh, compete well both today and then have the capacity to come up with the kind of engagements and insights and understanding and operational, uh, operational excellence that you need to really get the edge and move your business forward. I think that's a little, that, that lift is a lot, is a lot more difficult in the context of everyone using the one platform in the same box. Um, so hopefully that hopefully that makes a little bit of uh, a little bit of sense of like how I see us all fitting together. And again, none of this like no platform is doing this wrong. Platforms just need to understand the the merchants and brands for whom they fit and fit best. And that is, I think, where I'd love to see this industry move is is the different platforms really acknowledging even amongst amongst their competing platforms and, and saying like, hey. We see you over here. You guys do a great job for this kind of this kind of merchant. Here's where we fit in really, really well. And I think if we all if we all kind of work towards this kumbaya standard <laughs> of conduct, we'll we'll actually introduce a level of a level of efficiency and, and a healthiness into the competition that really will propel this industry forward. Which leads me on nicely to a question. I guess Justin, you'll probably want to take this one. So what type size of business do you best suit uh, uh, and, and why? So you talked about knowing who, who your ideal customer is versus who's not. 
I would help people listening. I, why would they and when would they consider Shopify? When might a Shopify or a big commerce be a better fit? Well, I th- I think certainly our 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 starter customer is a little bit larger than your average Shopify and big commerce customer. Yes. Um, yep. We like to think you know that our heartland is five to fifty million term, in terms of turnover, and it can either another big strong a, a big strength for us is that it can be either a business a be you know business to consumer business or a business to business a b2b business as well and that we've got a fairly strong offering you know, very strong offerings for for both verticals if you like we know that obviously it's it's those customers as ben said it's those customers that need flexibility and often that flexibility is strategic flexibility the ability to be able to change things you know the way they need it to be because actually uh, i think probably one of the, the main things that uh, it, it's important to remember is that for most of our average and larger merchants shopware is not the most important system in their in their architecture it's just one of a number of systems so the key thing here is that you know the dog has got to wag the tail not the tail wag the dog and that's a really important thing when it comes to flexibility so one of the key things about shopware is that when you have key business systems that operate in a certain way, you don't have to adjust the way they work or only use part of the way they work because of the requirements and the limitations of your front-end shopping. Do you have an example of that? Because one thing people struggling often struggle with on the on, on these sessions is what what's a tangible example of where like Shopware has enabled oh. a business like an existing client where they've enabled it's enabled. Oh, them. I'll give you an, the, the the key example is things like integrations to ERP platforms, and and the one I always used to have when we're back back doing Magento integrations because again back in the Magento space we used to specialize in sort of integrating to third party platforms, and the big one that always used to 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 be a pain in the ass um, was how do we deal with shopping cart discounts. And when we're sending them back to an ERP, um, and because different systems, the shopping cart obviously wants to have a shopping cart discount, so therefore have a separate discount line. The ERP system, he doesn't want that. He doesn't want that information in that way. It wants that discount shared across all the different line items, so they can understand what is the margin. How do I attribute uh, different amounts of different? to you know different discounts to the different items in the basket especially if i've got sort of like a three for one in the basket or whatever it is you know a meal deal and then another item in that basket i don't want to have to attribute across that whole you know there any discount across all those items i want to be specific about what what that discount means now if i'm integrating that kind of platform back uh or for, you know with something like shopware i have the flexibility to say i'm going to treat data in this this in this manner i'm going to understand what that data is uh, and i'm going to therefore build an integration that makes sense if i'm in a SaaS environment i don't have i don't have that same luxury if you like what is ampliance in a word it's freedom the freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision create preview schedule and manage all your content in one easy place Find out more at Ampliance.com. Ampliance. Experience freedom. Yeah, I, I guess, yeah, that I can understand that example because you can do it in SaaS, but it's not native. You would need to, often people do it through uh, like a custom script or a middleware, which then sits between 
the but then can't the, doesn't have the same understanding of the of the front end platform yeah yeah no, i think that's a good example of where you can do something natively versus where you can build a capability but it's a customization or you need an integration platform alongside it to do it Cool. Absolutely. I mean, um, again, the ones, the times that, you know, that, that Shopware's made sense as well is, you know, especially, for instance, when we've had to build specific pricing engines on the front end to deal with the sorts of ways that customers want to sell that product. Um, yeah. And again, attribution again is, you know, uh, I've got, I'm building a, selling a table and chair set. I want, I don't want the whole thing attributed to the table. I want to, I want it spread across in this way across the chairs. Do you see what I, see what I mean? Because actually, when it comes down to it, selling for, as a merchant, selling is only part of the business. Understanding where their margin and how their margin has been attributed is, you know, for larger merchants is absolutely critical as almost, you know, not quite as important as actually getting getting stuff sold, but almost as important because again, if they can't measure how effective they're being and where those you know where where business is being driven from, they can't manage it properly. Yeah, I, I like that you mentioned an integration environment. I mean, that's that's one of the uh, I'd say that's one of the, the big improvements in this uh, in this industry over the last several years is. You know, yeah, I remember the early days, especially back when I was in you know development and and tech direction. You have you you might have these sort of Franken systems where you're you know okay, we need to update product information, and that's got to trigger updates in these multiple systems. But you don't have this you don't have this bus where you where where all of this stuff plays together. You have this daisy chain of systems, and those are really really fragile implementations. Now. The, the platforms that I think are, are doing well are the ones that realize, you know, for different merchants in different situations and different bands uh, with, with that ecosystem of apps. Maybe for the smaller merchant, it's more likely that your e-commerce solution is your main hub, right? And it's, it's this aggregation point for the various things that you're tracking, the customers, the orders, uh, product information, et cetera. But then as, as, as the proposition, as the, the the sort of the business scope expands, and as usually as the business itself grows, you do have to accommodate these other systems. You have to make sure that as that happens, you're either looking at like at ripping and replacing part of your infrastructure, which is always fraught, or you've got you've got yourself set up so that. Uh, you can effectively start to evolve which system is the system of record for various various data in your in your organization, right? So, okay, we've got a situation now where we have we have multiple people managing the the product catalog in multiple regions. They each have to have some kind of input. So you have this whole meta level of concern that that wasn't there before. Great. Okay, now it's time to introduce a PIM, and ideally, you've picked a solution where you know, like shopware where you can say okay hey plug this in get make this initial migration and then guess what everyone's working in this one system the your e-commerce solution along with all the other applications that are involved and the organizations in your company that are involved are now everyone's playing in exactly the playground where they need to play and the update that needs to happen here only has to be made once and it then just materializes elsewhere in the organization, whether that's on the website and printed catalogs and your pick lists in your website and your in your warehouse, whatever the case may be. That's that's the that's the the, the the utopia of where we are today, as far as merchants growing and succeeding in, uh, in you know, with their with their e-commerce solution. 
Ben, I think you got hit something on that was really interesting then. And, and, and I think we, we, I'd love to highlight a bit. And that is, is that about, you talked about scale there. Um, sure. because really as, as businesses do scale, as, you know, as they grow, they do get more complex. I, you know, I, I don't think anyone could argue that businesses as they scale get less complex. They get more complex. And I think that kind of makes you realize is that is that when you're looking at the difference between what open source can deliver and what SaaS can deliver, SaaS is delivering to a short-term investment horizon. It's delivering to the problems you have now and that you can anticipate in the near future. Open source can deliver to a much longer investment horizon because of that, the, the ability to get in there and alter, replace, uh, override bits of the code base as, as those requirements develop. Yeah. This is, I mean, this, it's really, it's, it's a, it's a corollary to Conway's law, right? So, which, which, which essentially says that, you know, as an organization, as an organization is building out its system, it tends to build systems, uh, application systems that mirror the organizational structure. Mm. And that, that might work okay. But I think in, in, in today, for today's, uh, you know, for today's organization, uh, you have, you have, uh, so much, you have so much, so much data. That is vital to your success, for your decision making, uh, your engagement, all of this. And as and 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 as it's living in silos, you know, organiza- organizational silos, application silos, you're, you're not doing yourself any favors. So it's really great if you can get if you can if you have these systems set up so that they're much more nimble. So that really things are you know almost a little bit. Uh, I don't know if orthogonal would be right in this context, but but you know that you can you can make changes. You can you can hook systems together without without any real negative effect across systems, right? You just you just you're unlocking you're unlocking data from silos and 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 making and really operationalizing it, making it making it matter so that this system over here can now help you. It can now help you uh, even further define, add a little more granularity to customer segmentation, or better recognize not your top performing customers, but the ones who should be, but aren't like getting that level of insight. So being able to have this stuff flowing freely around the application ecosystem and across the organization is so critical, especially for the question of scale. We should let him get a, um, get James get a word in Edgeway some stage. Well, one one question. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my <laughs> my challenge. I'm gonna throw my challenge to you because this, this comes up on open sources. I get it, yeah. And for some businesses, the flexibility and the ability to to create the custom user journeys, um, yep. uh, and some of the advantages that has around things like you know, especially multi store and multi store management, is a real value add. However, mm-hmm. it throws in backwards incompatibility issues and and issues with yep. upgrades. How do you handle? Because we've just done, we've had that conversation with with on the Magento mm-hmm. recently, and I've had yeah. clients who've been stuck with thirty k upgrade fees. Yep. So it, how does Shopware handle this? Because with, with flexibility comes risk. So how does that, how does that manage from an application point of view to de-risk it for merchants? Yeah, oh man, you've, you've used exactly the kind of terms that, that we talk about. And Justin has done some, some really interesting, um, and I find it fascinating, some work on TCO, so the total cost of ownership. And, and I think there's a, you know, there's, a, there's a related term there, which is the total risk of ownership, which is really what you talk about. What is that? What is the risk of me choosing the solution? That what, what, essentially, how much do, do my, how, how, how correct are my TCO assumptions over time likely to be? And that is 
probably the Justin, would you say that? I mean, I think that is probably the, I don't want to call it an Achilles heel, but that is the, the biggest potential challenge in a, in an, in an on-prem uh, or, so, you know, self-managed, uh, self-managed world. And, and I'll, I'll offer just my experience just generically in this space. You, you, you have to have uh, a rope. So you have, so, so fundamentally the, the vendor in this case, shopware, we have to have high quality, high quality code that balances flexibility uh, providing as much flexibility as possible without overcomplicating the system design, right? Because it, it, building a platform for everyone you know, or for a, a, a wide swath geographically, uh, volumetrically for, for, for merchants means that, uh, you know, means, means that you're, you're making, you're, you're adding in customization points so that you're not having to go around, you know, your, your arse to get your elbow when you want to build something, when you think of something and you want to realize it. So what we did was we made a calculated decision, um, indexing on simplicity when we built Shopware 6. So the, the underlying framework that, that undergirds everything, there is a lot of interstitial stuff or, you know, or, uh, intermediary stuff we could, we could put in there. That would have allowed all sorts of just just almost infinite flexibility to, to to rip and replace parts of the system there. But what we knew from you know looking at the market was that most of the time, as another program programmatic term, Yagni, you ain't gonna need it. And so we 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 left a lot of that stuff out so that there's there's still plenty of room to customize. You can you can now consume event. There's all there's all different ways to hook into the system and make the system do things at certain points that it doesn't do out of the box. Um, and that, that in is the, is the starting point to, to, to de-risking cost of ownership when it comes time to handle upgrades. Now, then what we have to do as a company is we do robust uh, regression testing, performance testing with every release uh, for our large, like for our, our most strategic partners. We also like to include their integrations in that regression re regression testing so that we're, we're making sure that these releases are as, as safe and easy as possible. And then you have to the, the 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 next probably biggest factor to my mind are the agencies right and the work that they do and how they do it and i think you could also include the 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 tech partners as well their integrations so making sure that everyone's following the coding standards of the system making sure everyone is conducting themselves is 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 writing and deploying things in a way that literally someone else could come in you're tired of your agency you want to go to someone else cool if as long as the agencies are following these coding standards, then their work will make will make sense inherently to any other agency or any other person that wants to come in. Or if you want to turn over from an agency to an internal team, doesn't matter. It also means you would be able to find resources out there. You'll be able to find the people who understand how the system works. If they're a software developer, they can jump into the project straight away and, and get up and running. That's how that's how we manage risk. Now there's a whole other there's a whole other level of risk management. So if you're building against our our cloud product, our SaaS, um, then, then, then there's a, a much smaller surface area for uh, for integration. You're working just with the web APIs, and uh, those those integrations you can you can effectively continue to swap out the core, and you know you can essentially like blue green deploy 
well, we do blue green deploy with, uh, with SAS, right. And, and, and everything just works. And then with pass, which is kind of a blend of both approaches, both the self-managed and the, you know, shopware owned infrastructure approach, the, the pass environment has guardrails that really help. It's got tooling. Um, and it has, we have, uh, so we have tools in there like like Blackfire, uh, so that you really have some insight and you have you have a uh, an opinionated way of, of of building and deploying the application, so that you're you know you're just there's just less room to make to make an error. So any one of these approaches can be used depending on uh, depending on how the agency or agencies or internal teams involved want to work, and also. Um, and, and, and also facilitating, I think, the next level or the next generation of workflows that we're only going to see as we start to as we start to look over at things like ChatGPT writing code in real time, even in complex systems like Magento. I mean, those examples are out there, and we're looking at you know how you know how is AI going to factor into this? Because again, this this whole thing is moving towards uh, is moving towards automation. It's moving towards a lower surface area of, of, of code, basically a lower total volume of code. And we're trying to get, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to get to the point where, um, where we have as much reliability when it comes time to upgrades as any of the SaaS vendors. That's the big convergence that's been happening from either side of this, uh, for, for the past several years. This is something we've been talking about, Justin, you and I, I know for mm. a while. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if, if we're the truth, the the, the 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 absolute truth is is that if you're going to be in an open source world, you can't get rid of that that risk. You, you you know, we can't. All we can do is mitigate it in as many ways as we possibly can. If you don't want that upgrade risk, if you you know that's not if that's not valuable to you um, in terms of the flexibility that it brings to you. Then use our SaaS product or use a different product. <laughs> yep. But yep. we've put we've mitigated it by a number of ways. One, standardization and standardization on well-adopted frameworks. That makes keeps things simple, if you like. Two, very tightly defined best practice. Three, we've made real efforts to simplify data schemas so you're not holding data at hold lots of different levels that can get confused and make things very difficult to debug. And for, and finally. The big area that in, that normally used to cause problems, certainly in the Magento and Adobe space, was third-party extension vendors. Uh, and you know, obviously, they don't necessarily upgrade the same at the same pace that you would like them to upgrade. But we have made real efforts because we have quite a tightly curated, quite a tightly controlled central marketplace, which is incidentally why you couldn't find some of the extensions that you wanted to use when you were when you were looking around at Shopware a few months back. Um, because we've got quite a totally, uh, you know, tightly controlled um, marketplace, you know, extension marketplace, then we we are we're quite aggressive is the wrong word, but we certainly strongly encourage shall we say, <laughs> extension vendors to upgrade their, and we measure extension vendors on how quickly they upgrade their extensions to the latest version so that as merchants want to upgrade, they're not uh, they're not hit by the horrible... Yep. I think we lost Justin. Either that or he's taking hey. a really long time to think through something. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was such an important point that we've lost... Stephen Froh. I'll tell you what, just in case he's, he's he's obviously got lost in a really complex thought there, Ben. Maybe while we're waiting for him to come back, 
there's a question I've got for you um, on the product side around um, product roadmap focus because people listening yep. and just always want to know what's the product roadmap focus of 2023? Like, are you focused on enhancing existing capabilities or adding new features or both? It, uh, it's I, I think it's it's a mix. Uh, we're you know we're we're in the throes. We're really actually now kind of getting to the end of uh, 2023 planning. It's been yeah. We're back, Justin. Um, we're just talking about what I miss. About, yeah, no, you missed no, everything. I... We're done. No. Um, <laughs> we're just we're talking about we're talking about actually we've jumped on to um, uh, the product features priorities for uh, for next year um, and 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 beyond and and the most i think the most important thing for us so we we really fit well with b2b so this this space has always been dominated i mean even even since magento was only b2c people were adapting that platform you know a decade ago to serve b2b customers because the customizations i mean e-commerce is always custom it's just a matter of degree but the the customizations in B2B are like are so artisanally specific and granular that you need ultimate flexibility to, to, to put stuff out there. But then you've got to show up. The platforms have to show up with stable st- stable stakes features. So we're uh, we're um, building out uh, our B2B capabilities even further, and we're looking to also incorporate uh, incorporate some uh, some elements. So some of what we're seeing coming out of of AI. I mean, we're we're not the only ones who are seeing this. All of the analysts are really have have, have even months before Chat GPT really kind of blew things up over the over the weekend. Um, here, this this like the first weekend of December, um, they were saying like yeah, we're we're really going to start to see the 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 direct effects of of AI and machine learning beyond just big data aggregation for better search suggestions. Right? I mean, there there have been it this. AI and ML have had influence, uh, especially especially among intelligent search, merchandising, dynamic pricing. But we're we're starting to see where the effects of AI will be, um, you know, really will be generative and really will start to replace some of the developer effort involved in in building things out and making systems, uh, making systems smarter, better, faster, cheaper, etc. So. Uh, from a product, from a direct product feature. Now you can always see our our roadmap is totally public. Uh, Shopware.com slash roadmap. Uh, something thereabouts, and you can you can look at what's important to us. And we're you know we're an open company, so people can always go there and say, hey, I think this is really important to me. Uh, can you guys you know just plus one on the priority for this? And we pay attention to this. So um, you know from our from from our way of thinking, B two B tremendously important. Um, our partnerships, enhancing those, improving the, the 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 connectivity and the functionality coming out of those partnerships, and of course, looking at this at this 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 X factor of of AI and what's going to happen very quickly. I think over the next over the next year, that's where that's where our brains are. So on that on the connectivity thing, that's a really interesting point because I think something that that Shopify ecosystem does particularly well is that connectivity between multiple apps around some of the things like you know, you got things like. People integrating Clavio and Octane AI for personalized eCRM campaigns. Do, is this this connectivity? Is that linked into your rule builder piece, or is this more about the apps connecting data wise together? Uh, I think it's. I mean, you can so you can influence. Uh, so so whereas whereas you know one app 
uh, one app might deal in one area, another app might deal in another area, but they're both, they're both maybe consuming, we'll use my previous example of customer segmentation, right? So coming up with, with more relevant customer segmentations or, or building off, you know, like, so one app may, may, may look at, uh, at different data, different aspects of the system and say, okay, Hey, I'm going to, okay, we're going to further segment these and we're going to qualify different different customers into different into different buckets and then this app over here that's all about engagement retargeting uncovering unlocking that value that 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 value that's just sitting there uh, inside the customer you know each customer's account uh, that would be that that would be potentially one way of, of seeing these these apps together but yeah. one of the one of the reasons I, I mentioned it is because another thing that we've seen as these as these businesses have grown and become more successful you look at like what dot dot digital was and what it is now it's 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 really it's 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 an app ecosystem unto itself with its own uh its own conventions and levels of functionality and every single one of these really successful applications in in each of their domains their their scope is is increasing so you end up with this like you end up with this complete, this these overlapping then of functionality, and and each of these each of these apps is starting to kind of grow into another app space. So yes, making sure that everyone's playing nice, and uh, making sure that uh, you know making sure that back to the release robustness that that remains. That is that is also very very much on our mind because. At the end of the day, shopware, especially as as the size of the merchant using shopware grows, uh, we we are absolutely worthless without the tech integrations and without our solution integrators, without our partners. Uh, we have a great package that we put we lay at someone's feet, but 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 then the the other vendors involved, like they're really taking it the the final mile or the final you know kilometer and a half to uh, to to realize the full potential of of what can be done there. Cool, excellent. Um, and one final question, Justin. I think it'd be useful for people to know um, enterprise customers on because you've got three different um, packages now, and you rise, evolve, and beyond for different stages of maturity and growth. If if someone's an enterprise customer, they're like you know a twenty to fifty million last multi store right. international. How does the licensing work? What does it work on? Is it similar to Magento? Is it more like a you know big commerce model? What drives the cost? Uh, it is similar to Magento in that it has it has a GMV element to it. Um, we don't actually release pricing in the general market for our uh, for our um, for our evolve and beyond packages. Our sort of mid and top package. Um, you know, if we get a we get an understanding of the business and the margins involved, then we price. From that, you know, that level, our rise package, which is our sort of, you know, our, you know, our two, uh, you know, our two to five million, you know, two to ten million sort of targeted uh, package starts at about six hundred euros uh, or dollars, and actually we price it in exactly the same uh, per month. So it's, you know, again, relatively reasonable, and obviously it grows from there. But yes, certainly it's comparable in cost. Uh, to something like Magento. In fact, again, I've done a I've, what I've done just recently, just releasing it at the moment, is a whole do, um, model on total cost of ownership, which looks at all these main platforms and says, okay, all right, the licensing models work slightly different. 
uh, differently. Um, and there are some hidden costs here on this platform and some hidden costs there on this platform. But here's how they all kind of normalize out. And the truth is, is that um, our platform prices pretty much as you'd expect. It's total cost of ownership quite keen, but it's, you know, it's not, uh, um, you know, I think the problem we had in the past is that actually our mid-market proposition was too cheap. Now that sounds terrible, um, but the truth is, is that if we're going to support this and we're going to actually make an effort to to deliver real value to those merchants, us giving it away too cheap, you know, is shooting ourselves in the foot. It's important that actually we we have to price this at a at a level that it's worth uh, that's worth us supporting properly and and intimately, if you like. Yeah, when we yeah, so I mean, it's 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 uh, probably not betraying any secrets here. Like we would, you know, we could lose deals. You know, when back when there was like a full ownership model, like you could pay I think forty thousand euros and effectively have if you maintain a support license for a, for a minimum term, like you owned you owned shopware outright, regardless of, of regardless of size. Uh, what we've and what we've realized though is that a lot of times that price was way too cheap. Like we would, we would either not get, we would not get invited to the table, or that would be the feedback when the when the the merchant agency would go with another with another option. Because they're like, yeah, they're just, we we can't we can't believe it is this good if it is this cheap. Um, how, how, so yeah. what we cho- how can they so give tried- me a service around it yeah. if it's that cheap? Yeah, uh, yeah so, I mean, it's really it's not- of pricing strategy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is. I mean, and it's it's tough, though, because in the open source world, I mean, you really, you know, there is just this this underlying ethos of openness and access um, and and you know, the, the code stands on its own. But but we you know, we're trying to balance the business case. We're trying to balance being able to really, you know, really give this give this this, you know, our application and this ecosystem the the resources that it needs to uh, to move things forward but that's why we that's why we took the approach we did which was a balance now i was pretty firmly against in the pricing discussion i was actually pretty firmly against any kind of gmv component because i always thought it's just a really blunt instrument for for trying to 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 you know, gauge or set the, the the utility and the value of something. But what I like what we did was we came up with these with, with Rise Evolve and Beyond. And of course you can always use Shopware, the open source version for free. And and undoubtedly someone's going to come up to me at a conference next year and be like, hey, I've got a $500 million GMV merchant on Shopware open source. And I personally find that frustrating because I mean, on the one hand, it's great. Yes, the open source version can service that. On the other hand, why would that company not want to have a relationship with the vendor driving, facilitating so much of their revenue, especially at that level? It's, it's really, you know, our, our take rate would be pretty, pretty low. But what we did with the licensing was we did, we set kind of, and I think Justin, you were hitting at this, like we set GMB bands where we think they're valuable. And so, you know, Justin mentioned five to 50 million was our, was our, was our kind of our sweet spot, but that's, that, that's fuzzy at the GMB boundaries. Right. And that, and we acknowledge that, like, if you look at the rise plan, that's got 2 million GMB inclusive. Right. So, so it's just assumed that you're going to be, you're going to be booking that kind of, you book that kind of plan. And that's, and that's, that's the GMB factor. And one of the things that we don't do which I really like is like, if you happen to, if we, you know, you know what you made last year and you know what you're going to make, you have project what you're going to make this year, you book that, you book a plan based on that GMV, you have a really good year, you go over it. Guess what? We don't go back and say, oh, you owe us more money for being successful. There's no, there's no penalty for success. What we do want to make sure though, is that we're, we're, we're working together. We're coming up with 
Uh, we're coming up with a reasonable expectation, reasonable pricing that reflects the actual utility that, that the merchant is getting and the resources that we'll need to support that merchant and their agency and the broader ecosystem around that. And evolve the platform. Know, yeah. Yeah, exa- exactly, yeah. Justin. Exactly. Cool. No, I appreciate that transparency. And um, that's brought us to the end of the question. So like, thanks, both of you, for, for jumping on and for, for answering the questions. Thanks to anyone who's listening. Uh, keep your ear open for episodes. We drop them every week. And let us know if there's any topics you'd love to cover. And please do subscribe and give us a rating on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple if you haven't already. Thanks very much. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.